0: You know, in my garage, I have a plaque on the wall that says, don't ask yourself what the world needs, ask yourself what makes you come alive, and then go do that, because what the world needs are people that have come alive. And how true it is, I, you know, I don't know if God ever calls a person just to take up space. And yet, many of us live our lives in quiet desperation, never really realizing or never achieving a life where we wake up every morning alive. Oh, physically, we're alive. We move about and all that. But I'm talking about an inner driven purpose that motivates you everything that you do most of us i think never achieved this we never figured out what makes us come alive now there are some downsides to this you know you may think oh this is wonderful this is g- exactly what i want to do i want to figure out what makes me come alive and but there are some downsides to it that probably we've never thought about of being driven by god being used by god being uh basically Spend it by God. God uses you. God spends you. So today we're going to talk about the subject of what makes you come alive. Is That Really in the Bible presents the teaching ministry of David Freeman. So what does the Bible say about coming alive? Well, in Romans 12 and verse 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service now obviously this is talking about surrender this is talking about this is this is not your typical what you see in the world of churchianity christianity relationship with god because it's talking about presenting our bodies a living sacrifice and this sacrifice i mean this is surrender to the authority of Of God. This is unconditional surrender to God. And I'm just saying, this is not normally what you would see. But it, this is not your passive oh I've raised my hand and I've given my heart to the Lord and I was saved 20 years ago and everything is okay and and I love Jesus no no this is not what this is talking about this is this is this is something real here and we're talking about the subject of you coming alive but there's only one way to do it and it's what I'm explaining today so now someone said that the problem with it being a living sacrifice is that living sacrifices keep crawling off the altar and course you understand what i mean that it's it's submission uh coming to this point of being a living sacrifice is something that you've got it's a decision that you have to make daily because those live altars are always crawling off those live sacrifices are always crawling off the altar and doing something else that you know obviously that they think is going to make them happy or they the things that they want to do but notice verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable perfect will of God. So coming to this point involves a transformation process. It really does. And that that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? I think this falls into two categories. There is that revealed will of God that comes from the Bible. As far as okay, what does God? What is God's will? Well, God's will. This first part is is the same for all people. He wants us to be obedient uh, to His commandments so that your life will work. That's one point. That's one will of God, and that will is revealed to all people of all times. All you gotta do is just pick up your Bible and say, look, turn to the Ten Commandments and say, okay, what is God's will for me? How shall I live my life today? You know, so that will is revealed in the Word of God, but then there is that perfect will that God has for you personally, which will make you come alive. Now, understand who's making this promise. This is not just your average Joe down the street promising, oh, I can give you something. This is not your average motivational speaker. All the things that people pursue and look and try to find fulfillment in their lives and try to find meaning and purpose and and really, in a sense, trying to find that thing which makes them come alive, all of the self-help programs that are out there the motivational speakers to lift lift yourself up by your own bootstraps, you know, theology or whatever uh, psychology, I should say. This is, the, but the, but when I talk about okay, who's making this promise, you know, who, who's revealing this that you be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that you may find out what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I'm telling you, if 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 we can find what is that perfect will of God that God has personally for me, for you, that thing God wants you to be doing. Well, we're talking about coming alive. Now, why do you think most people never find out that which makes them come alive? Because most people don't, you know, most people go to their grave and they never figure out, you know, they, they live these lives. Like I said earlier, of quiet desperation, going to their jobs, going to a job that they absolutely hate, doing work that they absolutely hate and there is not this fulfillment in life at all with the things that they're doing there's this emptiness inside so i was thinking you know well why do people never really find out what makes them come alive and i think the answer is because they're they've they've never really been fully committed to the cause of finding out. They've never presented this to God and brought their petition to God and say, "God, you you, you know, this is something that I'm wanting to do." And and they don't stick with it long enough to even figure it out. They're not committed to the calls. It's sort of like the concept of, of tithing, you know, 10% of your income. Most people find it or a lot of people find it difficult to do this. Although 10% is really not a lot of money, you know, of your income to give to God. But a lot of people cannot, you know, they think putting $5 in an offering plate is they've done really something great or they make change. You know, they put $5 in and take $3 back out of the offering plate and they think they've done something really spectacular. But in Malachi 3 and verse 10, it says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now. Now, this is God speaking. God is saying, I want you to prove me. Now, wherein says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And so, you know, here is, you know, God throws down the gauntlet here. He throws down the, this this, this uh, thing that we could be committed to. And he says, prove me. But, you know, a lot of people never can, they never stick with it long enough to find out. They're not fully committed to the cause. And I think, likewise, when it comes to finding out, okay, what makes me come alive, we don't stick with it long enough. To even find out in our relationship with God, okay, if I do this, this will make me come alive. We just never stick with it long enough. There are other things that keep us from doing this. Fear of success. You know, we could talk about fear of failure, and that is one thing, but often we can have a fear of success. Well, what if this actually did work? And what in the world? How would this change my life? And I can guarantee you it will change your life and in many cases it will change your life in a way that ways that you never thought about you've never really counted the cost and that, and that leads me to this next point i think there is an importance to count the cost before you make this decision this petition to god to find out what makes you come alive you know, in Luke 14 and verse 28 says, for which of you intending to build a tower sits not down first and counts the cost, whether he has sufficient to finish it. Yeah, counting the cost is important. And, you know, finding out what makes you come alive, you really need to count the costs and ask yourself, do I really want to do this? Do I really want to know what makes me come alive? Do I really want to be involved, you know, 100%? In this thing that makes me come alive, because in a way it will consume your life. It will consume your life. Now let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. I had an incident I, I, that happened to me, you know, about a, six months ago. I've uh, I have a, a guitar, an electric guitar. I have an acoustic guitar, and I'm, I really don't have. I like fiddling around with it, and I, I really don't have what I would call natural inclin, inclinations and talents. To play the guitar but i sort of enjoy it it's sort of something that soothes my soul and and i'll pick up my guitar and i uh, as a as a um, there was a riff that i wanted to learn to play and so i found it on youtube video this guy teaching it. it is a very uh, um well actually it was back in my carnal days uh, when i was a teenager but there was a group called the raspberries and and uh, there was a song you know, go all the way now you don't need much imagination to figure out what that song was about although back then i didn't listen to the words i just liked the the guitars and and but i found out later well he's talking about you know uh, screwing around or whatever having sex with this woman that woman uh anyway that wasn't You know, good as I look back on it, hindsight 2020, but my point is it had some excellent guitar riff in the beginning of it, and I wanted to learn how to play that. So I, this guy was teaching me on YouTube, and I would every morning, now I'm only talking about a probably a one minute, you know, riff from a guitar, and I would practice that every morning, every day, and I probably practiced it for 2,000 times, and finally I got it. But it was disturbing to me how much energy and effort I had to put into this, how much practice I had to put into this just to get this right. And so I was working on a job later on, and uh, the woman, the homeowner, introduced me to a guy said, I want you to meet so-and-so. He's a professional musician, and he's played with Percy Sledge, he's played with... And she list- listed the name, names of people that I recognized, and, and I, I told him my dilemma. I said, look, I, you know, I've been practicing this thing, and I said, what does it take to really get good at playing the guitar? And without hesitation, he looked at me, and he said, you've got... And I will never forget these words. He said, you've got to be possessed. Now, I don't think he was talking about an evil spirit or anything like that, but I got his point. He said, you've got to be possessed. And, you know, when we talk about finding out that thing that makes you come alive, We are really talking about coming to a point that it is your life. It is the thing that you do. You are not in a bad way, but you are possessed and it consumes your life and God uses you up. That's what we're talking about when we talk about finding that thing that makes you come alive. It was another uh, program that I was watching about the Beach Boys and Brian Wilson They said, Brian was really a strange guy growing up. He didn't talk much and he didn't, you know, he was not the most sociable person, but while all his other friends were doing, you know, having fun and dating and going out and doing all kinds of things said he was, you know, he was writing music and practicing. And he talked about Brian Wilson talked about getting, you know, something he said he would practice and practice and practice until the thing that was in his head would come out on the piano. And, and, you know, he might do this all day long, just, just getting this thing that was this music that was, that was in his head out on the keyboard or out on the piano being able to play it. And again, you know, this, this concept of being possessed in order that you contribute something to the world uh, that the world notices, that the world picks up on. So I'm just running this by you, wanting you to consider something here. Is this, you know, this thing that makes you come alive, the thing that we think we want? There is a cost there. There is this concept of just totally, totally something consuming, absolutely consuming your life is what I'm talking about. You know, when we consider examples in the Bible of men who had come alive, well, the example is fascinating. I mean, take Christ Jesus, his disciples, this is in John 4 and verse 31, his disciples came to him and said, Master, eat. Look, we had not eaten anything all day long. You got to be hungry. But he said to them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore, his disciples said to one to another, oh, has any man brought him something to eat? We didn't see anybody come around here with a food bag or anything like that. Jesus said, this is John 4 and verse 34, Jesus saying to them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Now, this is a fascinating concept because have you ever, well, maybe you haven't, and I admit I don't do it a lot, but have you ever been so involved in something, a project or something that you forgot to eat? I mean, you knew you were hungry, but you were so focused. You were so consumed with that thing that you were into that you didn't, you know, food was not even on your mind. Well, obviously, obviously, I mean, what we're talking about, Jesus was consumed by his mission, by the thing that made him come alive. And then you have the example of the apostle Paul, where he says in Romans 9 and verse 1, he says, I say the truth. I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. In other words, what he's saying, this threefold affirmation, Paul is saying, look, you're not going to believe what I'm about to tell you. I know you're not going to believe me. So therefore, and this threefold affirmation is I say the truth in Christ. I lie not. My conscience is also bearing me witness. So he's saying, look, I know you're not going to believe this, but that I have great, heaviness and continue sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren." My kinsman, according to the flesh. In other words, he's saying, I could wish that I was cut off from a relationship with Jesus Christ for my brethren. In other words, Paul had this, he was consumed by the evangelistic work that he was doing. If he could just reach, you know, one more person or whatever, you know, he was consumed by it. Now, here's the thing. People who have impacted the world in a positive fashion have been possessed, Buy that thing that makes them come alive. That's my point. And I'm just saying that, you know, before we get into this, we really need to count the cost. You might like a life of quiet desperation better than finding that thing that makes you come alive. Now, I personally believe that the Spirit of God is a driving Spirit. It drives us to do things, to accomplish things, to get things done. And that may or may not be a good thing for you to consider that, that it is a driven Spirit, that the Spirit of God drives us. You know, we read in the Bible about the day of Pentecost, and how that they were, the Spirit, Spirit of God was poured out upon them. They were empowered by the Spirit of God. And often we ask the question, how come we don't seem to be empowered today? Well, uh, first of all, understand that the beginning of the New Testament church on that day of Pentecost, that the Spirit of God was poured out upon those people. And I believe that at the end time, you're going to have a repeat of that the Spirit of God is going to be poured out. In fact, that's what the prophecy of Joel and the prophecy that Peter uh, talked about in the last days. You know, I will pour out my spirit on my handmaids and your young men and your women shall prophesy. So we we see a beginning part of that with the beginning of the New Testament church. The Spirit of God was poured out. And then we, we know it's going to happen again at the end time. But in between there, in between the two, we sometimes wonder, Okay, how come? I mean, I know I have the Spirit of God, and I want to make a distinction between receiving the Spirit of God at baptism and the Spirit of God being poured out upon you to do, to accomplish, to do something. So there is a a difference between the two. But often we we look at, at our lives and we say, how come the Spirit of God is not poured out upon me? Well, if you want the answer to that question, just take a look at what you're doing. Just take a look at what you're doing, and you'll have your answer. Uh, does it take the Spirit of God being poured out upon you to mow your grass? Does it take the Spirit of God to be poured out upon you to paint your home? Uh, Does it take the Spirit of God, you know, I've done masonry work for a big part of my life, and for years I laid rock. And uh, do I need the Spirit of God poured out upon me to lay rock? Well, uh, actually, I don't think I do. Uh, You know, we have our agendas, which doesn't Really necessarily take the spirit being poured out upon us now there is a scripture, and I should have brought that quote up, but maybe I can put it in the uh podcast as far as the uh references on the internet on the website is that really in the bible uh, dot net under the podcast tab but in the old testament there's a story about the spirit coming coming upon the men to and women to I think it was the tabernacles the, the tabernacle of God that was being built and the Spirit empowered men to do all kinds of metal work and, and craftsmanships and, and just to be able to do in other words, there's a connection there with the Spirit coming upon these people to get this job done. But what we need to look consider is that was, that was God's agenda, okay uh, God's agenda was the tabernacle back then and building that. And because that was God's agenda, He poured out His Spirit. So the point I'm making is we have our mundane lives that we are living, and then God has His agenda. Now, if you want the Spirit of God to be poured out upon you, you're going to have to get in line with God's agenda. Uh, He's not going to empower you to mow your grass. He's not going to, the Spirit of God is not going to empower you to paint your home. Uh, chances are the Spirit of God is not going to empower you to do your job. I mean, that's our agenda, you know. And we may not like the sound of that, and but I, I think it's true. I think it's true. We have to, if we are expecting empowerment coming alive, I guess, we have to get behind God's agenda. Jeremiah 29 in verse 11, it's a very popular scripture that people like to quote, but it says, "For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace." and not of evil to give you an expected end. Now to me as I look at this, if there is an expected end, there has to be an expected beginning, you know, a beginning point and an ending point that God has thought out for for you, for me, that God has a plan. He has something in mind for us to do to accomplish and You know, I guess I'm asking, have we found out what that something is, and could that something that God has for us, could that be the thing that makes you come alive? The problem is we're just not, or don't realize it yet, or we're worse than that, we're we're not committed to it. In Luke 19, verse 10, Jesus said, "...for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost." And I sort of believe that it's possible to be deeply religious and still be lost. There's a generic understanding of salvation that people have that, okay, you know, like Jesus loves me, this I know for the Bible tells me so. I mean, there's a, a generic understanding of salvation. Okay, I'm saved and uh, I was lost and now I'm found. And But I, I guess the question that I'm asking is, are you still lost uh, even though you are deeply religious? And by lost I mean have you found that thing that God wants you to, you to do? Have you found that thing that makes you come alive? And now what does it mean to be lost? How, how could we be deeply religious and still lost? Well let me give you some definitions of lost. Uh, it could be repetitive sin, some, something that you can't quit, A meaningless life, uh, something you know, something is missing. Compulsivity, uh, addiction, lack of self control, uh, self destructive behavior, unhappiness, lack of joy, lack of purpose and vision. You know, they say insanity is to keep doing the same thing over and over, expecting each time to get a different result or expecting your life to change and yet you keep doing the exact same behavior patterns nothing has changed in what you're doing but you're expecting to get a different result but you're doing the same thing that's called insanity uh what does it mean to be lost lack of fulfillment just going through the motion waiting for something to happen always expecting a miracle that never happened lack of peace and contentment nothing to believe in, nothing to sink your heart into, nothing that truly satisfies the soul. Are you just another lost religious person? Now, here's the thing. The reason is could be is that we're not committed to the cause. In fact, we've never been committed. Well, let me back up. We've been committed to anything and everything but to the thing that God wants us to do. You know, commitment is so very important to stick to the cause. But what is it about? Okay, we're talking about what makes you come alive. When, where is that moment in the future that, when does it stick? When do you really get to the point where you're doing that which makes you come alive? You know, I was listening to, um, it was, I think it was Little Big Town they they did that song uh pontoon the lead singer was talking about that there was this young girl this fan i think that had been actually said that she had been praying for them that they would get their big hit and uh was just really encouraging them and on their side and praying for them and she said she said you just you know you just never know and of course they had this this huge hit i don't know why that song you know pontoon it just it 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 sort of makes you want to go out and buy a pontoon whether you need it or not but um you get those songs stuck in your head but anyway she said that you never know when your pontoon may come in now i want you to understand something that what really makes you come alive is not so much that you're all just over bubbly excited about doing what you're doing i mean yeah you love it but you like it but it's when you realize that you're making an impact, when you get your hit record, when you get your hit, whatever it may be, when people, when you realize that you are making a difference in people's lives, that you are impacting people for the better. This is when you really come alive. So I want you to understand something that while it may not be yet, uh, right now your time may be just to persevere and and never give up, just to keep trying. But there is coming a time when your pontoon will come in, to use a better expression, and when you start seeing the results and you realize you are impacting people, and that really is the time when you really uh, come alive. It is so important, so very important to be committed to a cause. I was listening to something that uh, right after Glenn uh, Glenn Fry passed away, he was a lead singer, one of the lead singers for the group Eagles, the Eagles, and he just in passing made the comment in this interview that a singer writes every day, and you know, it's sort of... I, don't, I can't say, I don't know if I knew that, I should have known that, whether you're a writer or writing a book or writing music, a singer writes every day. So there's this illusion that you get this, this blast of inspiration, and all of a sudden you just go out and write a hit record, and it makes millions of dollars. Well, no, that's not the way it works, that a singer writes every day, and that most of the stuff they write is never used. It's bits and pieces here, there, and yonder, and it's just stuff that some of it never goes anywhere. But you're writing every day. You're producing every day. And there is a moment in time ahead of you that you have to look forward to. I have in my kitchen, of all places, uh, a little plaque. It says, don't quit. I want to conclude with this is when things go wrong as they sometimes will when your road you're trudging seems all uphill when the funds are low and the debts are high and you want to smile but you have to sigh when care is pressing you down a bit rest if you must but don't you quit life is strange with its twists and turns as every one of us sometimes learn and many a person turn about when they might have won had they stuck it out don't give up, though the pace seems slow, you may succeed with another blow. Often the struggle struggler has given up when he might have captured the victor victor's cup. And he learned too late when the night came down how close he was to that golden crown. Success, success is failure, turn inside out, the silver tint of the clouds of doubt. So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things seem worse that you mustn't quit. So keep going, keep working toward that goal, that thing that will make you come alive and understand one day your ship is going to come in, or maybe I should say your pontoon is going to come in. For more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net. Listen to the podcast, watch the weekly program, worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service, and be sure to visit our free bookstore, Again, the website is Is That Really